0: Monday, April 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only, Jason Moser.
1: Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: We have the return of an icon that we're going to talk about, (laughs) we have a new partnership between two of the bigger names in consumer tech, but we're going to start with Apple spending money, not on an acquisition, but on itself. Apple announced plans to open a new campus in Raleigh, North Carolina, company will spend over a billion dollars on the campus, it will employ 3,000 people working on software engineering, machine learning. And Jason, this is on top of the billion-dollar campus that Apple is building in Austin, Texas, that they expect to open in 2022. Well, it
1: must be nice to be Apple, right? I mean, to have that type of money, Not a surprise, obviously, that they have that that they have the resources to do this, but but um I, I think this is it's a it's a good thing to see them investing in themselves like this. It's good to me to see this type of headline versus the Hey, is Apple gonna get into electric cars or solar panelled roofs or something like right? You're talking about Tesla and Apple and the competition that may uh, develop there. I mean this this is a bit more tangible. I think it's a bit more sensible, a bit more understandable um, to me at least. and And so given the shift that we've seen over the past year and the way that we work, um, I think this is Apple essentially saying, hey, we're we're going to double down on this idea that we're going to have a more distributed workforce here in the coming years, in the coming decades. I think any company uh, should be looking at it from that perspective. I think it's it's you know then it becomes a matter of how they handle it. I think for Apple, um, going about it this way, investing this type of money in a big campus, really another HQ, so to speak, um, it, it it's a smart move. Um, it 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 got me thinking early when I was reading about the story. You remember? I don't know. It was years back, and I don't remember who coined the phrase. But but we heard that culture eats strategy for breakfast a lot, and that always sort of confounded me a little bit because I I always kind of I've always viewed culture as really a part of strategy. I mean, to me, like if you're a business, then you should be focused on building a good culture. That should be part of your overall strategy as a business. It's not a one or the other. I feel like they work very uh, very, 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 much together. So To me, this is a way for Apple to look at the future of, of how we work, the future of the workforce, and saying, hey, you know what? Not only are we going to take advantage of this new hybrid distributed workforce, but we're also going to double down on making sure that we keep our culture intact. One way you do that is by building a physical presence. I mean, virtual's great, it's convenient, but, but having that physical presence where people will be able to gather, they'll be able to work together and collaborate, particularly for a business like Apple, when you're talking about focusing on tools like, like AI and machine learning and whatnot, I, I, I think campuses like these are going to be crucial. I think it opens them up to a bigger pool of talent, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, to me, between Apple, the consumer, and and the workforce, I mean, this is a win-win-win. You gotta you gotta feel good about it.
0: And look, I don't want to knock Amazon, but there's something refreshing about the fact that Apple did their due diligence and just announced this. It was <laughs> it wasn't a list of twenty cities that they said, "Hey, we're we're going to build a billion-dollar campus." You can bid on this. They just went ahead and just went ahead and did it.
1: Yeah, not gonna lie. The the Lebronness of Amazon's new HQ was just it, it was frustrating. It was kind of insulting. Like I just felt like it was just unnecessary. I mean, it, it, clearly we had fun with it on our shows because it was something to talk about. But I'm absolutely with you. I mean, leaders are are. Paid to get in there and make decisions like these and move forward. Um, And that's what Tim Cook and and team are doing there. And um, I, I think chances are this strategy, particularly when you consider. That home base being on the West Coast. Now you're expanding. You've got Texas in play here. You've got the East Coast and North Carolina in play here. There are going to be other areas around the country that they continue to expand into over the coming decade and beyond. Um, I think it just makes a lot of sense. It's it's not a matter of picking one location. I think they're really gonna they're really gonna do a lot of research here, kind of like restaurants. You know, kind of like restaurants do when they look for new places to open those restaurants, where they feel like sales are gonna are gonna be uh, are, are gonna be sustainably. Uh, worth the investment. I think Apple is making it, they're, they're performing a lot of research into these areas to make sure that these campuses, these workplaces that they open are going to be investments that are worthwhile, that are sustainable. Uh, I think it's going to work out well.
0: Spotify's new partnership with Facebook launches today. This comes in the form of a mini-player that enables people to play music and podcasts. Uh, through their Spotify Uh, membership um, while staying within Facebook's platform. And that was was my first thought when I saw this story, like, boy, Facebook really wants people just to stay on the platform.
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. I mean, at the end of the day, the key for Facebook is engagement, period. Whether it's Facebook or WhatsApp or Instagram or whatever property you're talking about that Facebook owns. It's about keeping users in there for whatever reason it's that that it's not those decisions aren't made towards immediate monetization right I mean it looks like this relationship there's not going to be some big data or ad play at least in the near term that, that Facebook is exploiting uh, this is really uh, about a cooperation between two big dogs in their respective spaces. Thinking, hey, we can reach more people. We can create more engagement. This could be a win-win for both platforms. And to me, um, I mean, it, it certainly makes sense. I mean, it's, as a user of, of Spotify, I, I am I am absolutely bought into the value of that platform. I enjoy it from the music side, podcasting. I mean, it's just it's it's a really it's a really good platform. And, and for Facebook, I mean, you could argue that Facebook proper, right, the blue app, is. Headlines would have you believe that that that, that platform is suffering from uh, lackluster engagement, maybe. But I mean, the numbers really kind of tell a little bit of a different story, right? I mean, as it's, it's, it's critical as as we can be in regard to Facebook and privacy and the issues that it's dealt with over the past several years, people keep coming back. I mean, it's it's this battle of privacy versus convenience, and I think what we're seeing is that convenience is likely going to win. In most cases, consumers love to gripe about privacy, but honestly, it really feels like it boils down to just convenience. Convenience likely wins. Uh, So, so to me, um, I mean, this is a sensible relationship. Uh, if you look at the the opportunity in the space when it comes to audio, generally speaking, I mean, just podcasting alone, you look at the e-marketer uh projections there, podcasting in the U.S. is going to cross the $1 billion mark this year in advertising revenue, and and that's slated to hit $2 billion by 2023. So, it's a large and growing market opportunity, not going to be something that's tremendously meaningful to Facebook's bottom line, but they recognize there are going to be a ton of people utilizing Spotify here in the coming years. right? And so, hey, why not be a part of that and, and bring those two together? To me, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Facebook tries to exploit this relationship in the, in the future. You know, we talk a lot about acquisitions and who needs whom more. It, it's kind of hard to say which party needs which more in this case. I'm not sure either really needs the other, but they can certainly benefit a, a lot by working together.
0: Well, and it's part of a broader push into audio by Facebook, when you think about, you know, they've got their live audio rooms, which is sort of their answer to Clubhouse. So, um, interesting to see that this is not just a one-off thing with Spotify.
1: Yeah. And and, I mean, lest you think that size isn't a competitive advantage, I mean, it it certainly can be. I mean, it's not always going to be the case. But in in certain cases, uh, it, it can be. And when you th- when you think about a company like Facebook or even Spotify, really, when you're talking about something with the potential network effects at play here I mean all Facebook has to do and it seems like this is pretty much what they're doing at this point they just they just need to kick back and basically watch competitors do the work and then Facebook just copies or acquires what's working best so I mean I'm not saying that to make fun of Facebook I mean that's the they've earned that right to be able to do that right Mark Zuckerberg has built this network of billions and billions of users now where he literally can just sit back, watch his competitors do the work. You just copy or acquire what's working, and you just keep on growing from there. And, and all the while, you get, to, you get to churn a little bit of that extra cash out to other initiatives like virtual and augmented reality, the Oculus uh, work that they're doing there. I mean, it, it's there's a lot going on behind Facebook's closed doors that we don't know about. I mean, we know a lot about this kind of stuff right here because we talk about it all the time. I think what's going to be really interesting to see over the coming decade, uh, and beyond, and, and I've obviously I've been very critical of Facebook. I mean, I am not a big fan of the platform myself, but I do get the utility of it. Um, I think we're gonna learn a lot more here in the coming decades, decade about what has been going on behind those closed doors, um, in, in regard to those more uh, advanced uh, ideas like AR, VR, machine learning, AI, and whatnot. Um, but but yeah, I mean it just it, it just goes to show that really size absolutely can be a competitive advantage, and Facebook is absolutely
0: exploiting it. Domino's Pizza is bringing back the Noid, and if you know exactly what I'm talking about, then you are revealing something about <laughs> your own age. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about then you're younger than me and Jason. Uh, the Noid they Get to class. <laughs> the Noid was a cartoonish villain in Domino's TV commercials in the 1980s and they're bringing back the Noid in a new marketing campaign that includes an appearance in the video game Crash Bandicoot. I I've done a 180 on this story in my own mind <laughs> since I first saw it this morning because my first thought was oh come on why, like why would you do that I don't know I part of it is I feel like Rich Allison and his team have more than earned the benefit of the doubt <laughs> from shareholders and also I thought you know what depending on what they do with this this could be effective this could be, you know this this could uh this could move the needle for them
1: I mean it, it, there's there's a lot to be said for brand awareness and and um the noid for a lot of us i mean it, there is a direct correlation right between between the noid and and, and dominoes i mean that's that's something that, that you and i have, have known for a long long time i would love to see that they're actually bringing this back out to a modern day distribution channel right i mean this isn't about a tv advertising campaign i mean they're bringing it out there towards mobile mobile gaming first and foremost it sounds like which I mean that makes a lot of sense when you look at the numbers that are that are being recorded by it by all of these mobile mobile gamers uh, in in any company even related to them. I mean a lot of people out there um, engaging with with these with these these games and and certainly mobile the phone. I mean that is that is where it's at. So to see them utilizing that distribution channel to me makes a lot of sense. I like to see it. Um, I, th- I think there's plenty of fun they can have with something like the Noid. I mean, we l- we live in this age of reboots and revisiting content that's existed forever, it seems. So I- I'm certainly not gonna hold uh, I'm not gonna hold any ill will toward towards Domino's for going back to the well and trying uh, to work with something that's worked before. Um, I-, I think that to me. Uh, I, I think what's going to be more interesting, honestly, for me, and, and this was part of the story here, it's just working on this investment in delivery. I mean, Domino's obviously being such a tremendous uh, presence in the delivery space. Uh, what they're doing, and we'll see more of this with the Noid, it's this, it's this uh, Neuro uh, investment in, in uh, working with Neuro as far as autonomous delivery. Um, and that's going to be something we see more and more of as time goes on. You may see those little Neuro uh, self-driving delivery bots tootling around. You could stick the Noid on all of those things, right? You put a big fat Noid on top of it, and, I mean, immediately people know what it is. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of free marketing. And then if that's not enough, the other thing that's really neat is, is the relationship here between Chipotle and Domino's, because when I talk about Neuro, Chipotle actually just made an investment in Neuro. That was that autonomous delivery company that Chipotle just made an investment in, Um, and so I mean we're going to see this this delivery going well beyond pizza, right? I mean Chipotle looking to bring this type of thing into their universe as well. Um, These are these are two very very well run businesses in Chipotle and Domino's. So so I think the next question really is. You know what's the advertising campaign? What's the annoying character that we see coming out of chipotle's uh <laughs> pipeline here because they they need to do something right? I mean, I feel like there's a collaboration just begging to be
0: begging to be ad here like a crossover episode where the noise yeah, the noise yeah, shows exactly. up on Chipotle ad. <laughs>
1: Exactly. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like a Disney crossover episode where you get all of these characters on, on one. Yeah, it, could, it could be a lot of fun. They could go a lot of different ways with it. And, and everybody loves pizza and burritos, Chris. I mean, let's be honest.
0: Oh, that's true. Um, and, and thank you for, for bringing up what is, from a business standpoint, the most meaningful part of this story, which is that, <laughs> uh, you know, the Noid is going to be featured in ads where the real star of the ad is the driverless vehicle. That's going to be bringing hot pizza to your house. Amen.
1: I mean, listen. Thirty years ago, you and I would have killed to have the Noid deliver a pizza to our home. Okay. Today, this is now becoming a reality. I mean, I I don't feel like I even need to go
0: on. It's a perfect place to wrap up, Jason Moser. (laughs) Great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank, thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.